0: Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show with me, Michael Tinkster. We are on a mission to share what Maverick leaders know and do to build businesses that deliver strong results and positive impact on people, society, and the planet. Thank you to our brand partner, BizSimple, for sponsoring this episode. BizSimple is the all-in-one workforce management software that enables your business to become more efficient and profitable. The software designed and built by hospitality experts To enhance the way shift oriented operators manage their business, optimize their entire people journey, and making every shift run like clockwork. And we joined forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, how we grow, and how we serve our customers. Together we wanted to share strategies and tools to make the industry thrive long-term.
1: If the customer is not willing to pay for it, then you shouldn't be doing it. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's by employing a lean methodology into what it is that you do in everything that you do. But ask yourself, is the customer willing to pay for this? And if the answer is no, then they shouldn't be doing it. It should be automated, replaced, not done, um, but definitely not with with people doing it and spending their time. Because you're not paying them to do that. This is Patrick McDermott,
0: founder of DigiTally. A platform that helps progressive food service operators to achieve less waste, more margin and get more time and in the end make a positive impact on the planet through stock taking. This conversation Patrick and I will discuss the brutal facts around food waste which is a huge problem in the developed parts of the world. And I was preparing for this conversation and looked into the numbers because it was some years ago I, I actually looked into this and it was in through the book called No Planet B. And the numbers are staggering, I would say, still. 64 million tons of wasted food each year. And that's especially in the developed part of the world. Some studies even speculate that that figure will increase by a third by the end of this decade. So we need to do something. So it's time to have this conversation with Patrick as we discuss how we as an industry are and can be more involved in tackling food waste at a higher level. We also dive into how we can improve margins and reduce waste significantly by focusing on stock taking and how you can get your people involved solving these problems. Patrick says some real-life examples of how companies are making huge transformation when it comes to improved margins but also reducing waste significantly. If you want to get more insights on what Maverick leaders do and know. As well as more backstage info on the show, sign up for our weekly newsletter Maverick Talk 5 minutes each week that could change your leadership and business forever. Find the link and sign up in the show notes or on hospitalitymavericks.com. This conversation will make you reflect on how you can improve your impact on the planet through less food waste and in the end actually improve your profitability. So enjoy! Today, we're going to be looking into what I would think sometimes, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a subject that doesn't get the fame and they should have. Because it took me some years in leadership to understand the power of stock taking and actually knowing what's going on with your inventory and therefore also linked to that, which we'll talk about that uh, food waste. Uh, but technology have come far from my days as operating as an operations director, where it was pen and paper and spreadsheets and uh, up to what the human input was. So I was super excited when actually Patrick reached out to me to ask me if he wanted to have a conversation about stock take. And I think he got a bit surprised that actually I got a bit excited about stock taking as I also get on gross profit because actually it really impacts your Gross profit, and as I often say, you can only control what you are in control of, your controllables, and here is actually something you can control in these challenging times. So, with that said, welcome to you, Patrick, from uh, Digitali.
1: Michael, thank you for having me on your podcast.
0: So, for for people out there that haven't heard, you know about you know you, the business, what the journey has been, and why you became so obsessed about stock trading. Taking and then food waste. Can you give them a bit like an insight into that journey?
1: Yeah, delighted to uh, to give you an overview on myself and then how that feeds into the business. Will give you some context on where it's all come from. Uh, my own background is in hospitality in hotels and in Michelin star restaurants in Dublin. Um, that was for four years. Then on cruise ships for five years, uh, where I was working with Cunard Line. Um, all those years ago, so it's a great way to see the world and get paid for it. And then I came to Galway in the west of Ireland for a weekend, and 19 years later, I'm still there. Um, I started up a business called StockTaking.ie. Uh, you uh, introduced me as uh, a, a stock control type of person or stock taking uh, fanatic. It's um, it's not a sexy subject, but yet it's a necessary evil for for de- delivering on a profitable business so with the stock taking we started originally with uh, hospitality businesses then moved into retail um and now we're one of the largest providers of stock taking services across ireland uh, where we go into a retail store and we scan barcodes um and then give reports both itemized which would be used for online retailers and then also financial, which would be based more on management reports and results. So it's all about the margin. And what we found in recent years in uh, in premises in Ireland was that a lot of the symbol store groups, so your convenience stores and supermarkets, they were taking out some of their retail stock and they were putting in delis. Now, the delis operations in Ireland, uh, they're not as widespread in the UK. But essentially what the deli counter in Ireland is they um, they have ready-made sandwiches, made to order, and they then uh, have ready meals as well. So it means that someone, as opposed to buying in a bottle of Coke and selling a bottle of Coke, now they're buying in baguettes and selling it as 15 different things. So as a result, when a production of food takes place, the margin changes and it goes up and it goes down. Uh, and a lot of head scratching can happen as a result. So what we said is, right, well, rather there's an option here in order to look and drill down into margins. But the way that the retailers were doing it was with pen and paper, writing it down, then putting it into a spreadsheet. And then they had issues updating costs. Then uh, whoever was doing that in a site, the person would then leave. Then they start all over again. And then it's too busy because somebody's missing or somebody's, Um, uh, not made it into work today, so it wouldn't be done for another week. And as a result, week after week after week, it went on, and the stock tick wasn't done. And then when they do eventually do one, they get the result the following week, and the result is not what they expected. So on their POS system, it was telling them that their scanning margin was, let's say, 50%, 20%, 50%, 70%, whatever it was, but yet they were five points below. And they were saying, but, but my system told me that I should be getting a higher margin. Our point is, it sh- it will tell you what you should be getting, but it won't tell you what you're actually getting. And the only way to know that is by doing a stock take, as in to count it. So that's where Digitally was born, out of the necessity to count and report on non-barcoded items, such as food. Um because that controls your margin. And that's what a lot of hospitality and food service businesses need to do. That's what they live and die by.
0: And how, how does that work in, in, in practicality then? And what do you need then? Do you need to put all these things into the system? How, how does it automate anything? How do you help them with uh, solving this pain point?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of uh, key uh, parts to Digitally, which is number one, it's incredibly simple to use. Number 2 it's very easy to get information in and out. So if there's an existing system in place or even if there's an existing Excel spreadsheet in place, we take that information, all the product and pricing information, put it up to the cloud and then it's downloaded to a mobile device and then it's made very intuitive for them to be able to count, sync and the information is available in the cloud. It's very very easy. That's for from the food. For beverage, we do we connect scales with a finger scanner with a tablet so they don't even need to touch the tablet they simply uh, put the bottle on the weighing scales and then it automatically goes directly into the tablet so again it just really streamlines that process for the operator because let's face it there is no value in people spending their time in counting stock and the value is in analyzing the results not in collating or second guessing the validity of the results, and it's certainly not in counting.
0: What has been, um, you know, one of your key learnings as you've been rolling it out? Because you're you're in with some really interesting brands as well, working with them, solving this problem. Which I guess there has been some huge learning as you roll out the systems with them.
1: Yeah, because with food businesses, the margin goes up and down, and these businesses need to be in control of that margin because they live and die by it. So. What we'd be saying to food businesses is that on a weekly basis to do a full count of their food, uh, they need to tie that in with their sales, with their purchases, and then to see what their margin is, and then to analyze that, especially when it comes to multi-site businesses, that if, they're, if they let that slide, the chances are they're underperforming, they're not optimizing or maximizing their margin, and when that's not happening and someone's not actively looking at it, then there's going to be a problem for that business. Because over time, it will the margin will go down and down unless it's addressed. And especially now in the last 12 months, when there's been inflationary pressures, there's been staffing shortages, there has been increases in, in energy. Um, and all of these eat into the margin bit by bit. So if people aren't doing a, a, an actual live margin, then that's a problem. And one of the things we found, Michael, was that um, even within businesses that are different margins. So for example, you could have a, a hotel that has three to four different margins that they should be reporting on. What I mean by that is if you are doing an all over margin on your food, um, but you're also including your tea and coffee in that, we'd be saying have your food as your food, then separate your tea and coffee, because you could be getting a 85, 90% margin on your coffee. Uh, Whereas your food, if you're looking for a 70 percent and if your coffee is included in that, you're inflating your margin. So separate it. Likewise, if you have banqueting in place or conferencing, we'd be saying to keep to transfer the stock to that uh, outlet and then you're getting a separate margin for your banqueting to make sure, again, that the margin has been addressed correctly. And we even have businesses that look at it for their for their ice cream that um, for the soft serve ice cream, um, if you have someone who's a bit more generous, shall we say, in their portion control, they will end up destroying your margin in one day. It'll go from being a high margin product, what the supplier says should be given, down to um, it's just over break even, because they're allowing someone to give an inflated portion, which then negatively affects your cost. And if you don't know, that it's been negatively affected, you can't do anything to address it. So it's very much about information, Michael.
0: And it's very interesting, especially around ice cream as well, because that business quickly disappears in my experience as well, both been in more artisan ice cream, but also milkshake and ice cream at a McDonald's where actually McDonald's you were forced, you were trained to weigh every ice cream you made because that was like part of actually monitoring. We got the yields out of what we needed to Uh, and actually that's where you know if you don't do that the profit goes straight away very very quickly on half of tank of uh, ice cream and another thing another thing is there with the banqueting and i i've I've seen the same with events where we had this huge revenue stream on events and we just thought that was great and then when we started separating out the uh, the we called it the gross profit or the margins on what actually it cost us to make these events from a labor point of view and a food cost point of view and the waste we had and the back end of that because we are often in a buffet situation or making too much food because we couldn't run out of food that would be terrible and we found out that this event we shouldn't be doing that anymore because that's not our main business because we are we're throwing money at this and it's great fun but i mean it's it's us from our core business was running cafes so yeah just just very very interesting like sometimes you run after the revenue but you don't really have the means or so the take the time to analyze are we actually making money on this revenue?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, by m- what's measured is managed, and um, there's uh, what's very important for a business if they're expecting a seventy percent margin, we'll say, but they're only getting sixty-seven, for example. They need to first of all know that they're only getting sixty-seven if you leave it until the end of the month or the end of a the year, then a longer period has passed. You need to be able to close that gap to what I would call an acceptable level of variance. That there will always be issues with portion control. There will always be issues with food waste. But when you're managing them, you can then look at reducing that margin. Now, a great example that I had recently was with one of our customers that they would done stock take religiously every Wednesday. Uh, on the Thursday morning, all of the managers dialed in. They could all see each other's results. And then they had to give two, two suggestions as to what they were going to do the next week in order to address the shortfall or to or a solution as to what they were going to do in their site in order to to maximize the margin. And as a result, there was a combined sharing of information. It was open. It was competitive, but it was also keeping the managers on top of their game. But most importantly, it's involving your people in decisions within the business. And when there's buy-in combined with accountability, it's a great way to be able to get people more on board. Uh, And again, it's good for business
0: and And, could you you know with us, there's no doubt about like we 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 are definitely trying to sell that stock taking is a great thing, both you and I are really on board on that. Um, but, but what is there any great examples you can give like say, okay, uh, you maybe you not know, maybe some some business cases where you've gone in and said this was the situation, this was the journey, this was the transformation that happened, and there was this gap we closed, and what that meant for the the business financially.
1: Yeah, there was a a business that we uh, are working with, and we'd done a survey across uh, 100 of their sites. And the the results, there was a combination of very positive results, which I would say are tangible and intangible. The tangible was that there was an increase in margin across the board of 1.1%. There was a saving in paper, as in because we're printing out paper every week of over 87,000 pages for the year. And then when it came to the amount of hours that were saved, uh, were over 26,000. Now, it's not that these hours were actually saved and banked and it's added to your balance sheet at the end of the year. It's that the person who's working the four hours a day, rather than spending four hours per uh, week or sorry per day, On counting the stock that week, uh, it's now taking them an hour, Uh, and so those three hours were then freed up and making that person more efficient. The intangible, and as well, we have it with cases when it comes to food waste that by using digitally is uh, an increase or a reduction in their food waste of up to seventy-two percent. And again, the information is there and it's visible, so I can tell you a little bit more about that, but. With the intangibles is when it comes to updating prices. Um, you might say, well, you have to update prices, but if you already have a system in place, an electronic system through purchasing or procurement, it's already there. But people shouldn't be updating that manually. There's accuracy. We have it that people can verify the account in ten seconds, that they can see if there's a discrepancy by using. Um, what we call dynamic headings. So straight away, you're able to spot if there's errors, but it's only in seconds. And then the ability to act on your information. If you have all the information presented in a very simple way, it takes the operator less skill to see where the fire is. So by making that information right up there and at front, it, it means that you know exactly where you stand, at the end of uh, an inventory period.
0: And what is it like, uh, you know, how often should you do conduct stock taking? You talked in your example about once a week there was a, a company doing it, but is that the best way of doing it? Is like is there like a rule of thumb that how many times should be doing your stock taking every day? I've been in businesses where we did it every day on on certain groups of products.
1: Yeah, it, it does really depend on the business um, because uh, cafes, restaurants, hotels, food service um, uh, bars, they will all have different requirements, uh, they'll have different levels of skills and experience in-house, they'll have different systems in place. When from a professional stock taking side of things, when we are doing this uh, in my other business, uh, we say when we're working with people for the first time, we'll Start off by sending our people in. We do a stock take once a week for four weeks. After those four weeks, we have three sets of results, as in four stock takes or three sets of results, and we can then see what exactly what our margin is in one week, make changes, tweaks, adjustments, review what it is the next week, do the same, same the next week, and then we can say, right, we now have three sets of results. We can now know. With confidence where the problem is or isn't, and then move forward in a way that is more in line with what the business needs. If that means we continue on on a weekly basis because there's big losses, then yes. If then, then yes, you continue it weekly. But if you're a standard hotel, restaurant, bar, or cafe, then you'd be saying, well, if it's okay, do try to reduce it back to once every two weeks. And then when you're happy with the results, that they're consistent, that you're happy with them, and it's what you expect, then go back to once a month. But I definitely wouldn't let it slide after longer than once a month, because the uh, if a problem does occur, um, you need to know about it. And the longer a, per- a stock or inventory period is, the harder it is to see the small spikes and the small troughs, because the margin will go up and down. But if you don't know it, you can't do anything about it.
0: What is um, like you know typical when you start doing stock taking? In my experience is that what are the typical barriers when you do that, especially when you're coming from a situation where you might did it once a year. That's often what I've seen. You come into some place and then you find out there's one big stock taking once a year. Uh, and then you want to, principle go from that to really be in control of your your top items it's really hard to get people because it's a habit again it's a habit and it feels like a hassle it feels like an admin thing it's just another thing we need to do to create another report for the uh, the senior management
1: and part of it can come down to the to the business themselves and the attitude towards um towards stock and towards margins in some cases businesses are in a fortunate situation where they have such a turnover that it doesn't really matter Uh, that are quite happy not to manage the margin, but the chances are it's not been optimised. Secondly, when it comes to doing it internally, people will, um, uh, the example of the fox looking after the hen house, um, you'd want to avoid that situation that if there are losses occurring, we'd be naive to think that food and beverage doesn't go missing within our businesses uh, internally. Um, And that's just one of the reasons why it's important to have your finger on the pulse, that if there is a discrepancy, you need to know it fast because stock is perishable as well. There's food waste, there's portion control, there's increasing prices, there's uh, staff uh, meals, there's staff theft in a hotel, there's food that's been served at breakfast time, but is that included in the margin? Is the revenue for that being applied to the to the overall uh, revenue for the food? So there's lots of different things that can affect the margin. So if you're not measuring that, it, it's really difficult to know how you can maximize it.
0: I guess as well, I mentioned at the beginning that we are now living in times with technology and the whole AI conversation comes up almost every day in conversation. I have that AI can help us a lot of things, but what what is technology's role in all this? Because there's an I guess an element of you know getting the information, the data, but then there's also the whole behavioral change in a way. So, what is the role? Will technology fix this in hospitality for us, or is it still A very big thing, as you say, it's a combination of having the insight and taking the right action and behaviors as a business.
1: I think that technology has a role, an important role, um, but it's a role that will enhance the lives of our people. We have to make our people on site as productive as possible. And if we have a a chef or a food service person or a housekeeper that's doing a work, within our business, we need to make sure that they're doing what they're employed to do as long as possible during that shift. Uh, If there are tasks and uh, duties that are not efficient, we need to then use and employ technology to see about either reducing them, automating them, or replacing them. Uh, It's not, and that's replacing the duties. It's so as the team members on site uh, that are delivering the actual service that our customer facing, they have to be made as productive as possible. And that's where technology comes in. It's, it's, it's to enhance the lives of those people. As we know, in the last number of months, it's become, and since COVID, it's become very challenging um, in order to get people to work in food service and hospitality. Um, so it's a real challenge. And part of that, I think, is by... Uh, maximizing the use of technology, reducing things that don't add value to the customer. So if you look at what a person does throughout a day, and if you can then identify tasks that ask the question, is the customer willing to pay for this? So if the customer is not willing to pay for it, then you shouldn't be doing it. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's By employing a lean methodology, into what it is that you do in everything that you do, but ask yourself, is the customer willing to pay for this? And if the answer is no, then they shouldn't be doing it. It should be automated, replaced, not done, um, but definitely not with, with people doing it and spending their time because you're not paying them to do that.
0: So so you, you, you get technology to help you, and I was thinking one of the things I really struggle with and some of the things where I, I always learned was more about how do you actually make people use that data so you got them to report it? But then how do you actually get them to use it? How do you make it sticky behavior that when they see the data, they act straight away? Is there any good examples of how companies have actually made the frontline, especially the frontline leaders I get here, really engaged in using your tool and and how, how did you make that happen? Because I think that's often, you know, lots of times you, from the top-down point, you just scale in the organization a new system or technology but then it never gets sticky in the front line and you don't get the results you want and then you blame the the system almost for
1: it getting engagement is uh is crucial and i wish i had a silver bullet for you um but i think that if it's something that is draining on the staff member to do chances are they're not going to like doing it um if the results are simple and easy for people to comprehend and to understand and that other people can then contribute to, then I think that that's important. Um, the, one of the things that we've done, for example, with food waste is to put the information in non-monetary terms. In other words, if there's food wasted and it's let's say it's £500 a week of food that's been wasted, If you say that to Sarah working in the kitchen, if she's a bit disengaged, chances are she'll say, well, that's your problem. You're the boss. But if you say to Sarah, well, Sarah, there's 250 meals this week that was wasted. What do you think we can do to reduce that to less than 200? Or how do we get it to 100? How do we get to 50? What's your thoughts? Chances are it's not you're telling her the same problem that you have a food waste problem to the value of 500 pounds, but you're telling her in the form of meals wasted, which you can relate to. Or if it was someone who is more on the greener side of things, you can say, well, there's X amount of kilos of carbon. Well, let's face it, who, who understands what a kilo of carbon is? But the reality is that if they are more, more greener in their own thinking, they will reson- that will resonate with them and say, so use a mon- non-monetary figure uh, in order to get them engaged. Because if you base it around a financial one or around profitability, they'll be saying, "Well, this is where you can go." But getting getting people involved, I think, is the important part of it. And I, I guess on the on the flip side of that, Michael is, "Well, why aren't people engaged? Why aren't people uh, doing this? Because who doesn't want to increase their margin? Who doesn't want a more profitable business?" But the reality is that uh, all of us as business owners, and as operators, we can be caught up in the daily whirlwind of looking after today, what's happening tomorrow, and then making immediate decisions around that and not taking the time on what's important. And the the story that stuck with me before was mm-hmm. about the guy walking down the street and he hears a dog whimpering and he goes up to the porch and he sees a man sitting on the, on the porch and he says to him, your dog, he seems to be in pain. What's, what's up with him? The man says, well, oh, he's, he's sitting on a nail. He's in pain. So the man says, well, why doesn't he move? He said, it's not hurting him enough. So when the nail wasn't hurting him enough, he doesn't take action to get off it. And it was the good analogy that I felt was appropriate for a lot of people in uh, and businesses that were caught up in the daily whirlwind, and if the pain isn't sufficient enough, as in if we're not being profitable, unfortunately, a lot of times it can come too late. But in the shorter term, you need to take action. You need to get off the nail, and you need to know exactly how your business is performing. And if your gross margin, an important enough factor uh, in in the in the life of your business, then maybe you might need to uh, realign a little bit just to see with the, with the profitability, we need it in order to drive our business forward and to get growth. And especially like we mentioned earlier, Michael, with labor challenges, the rising cost of goods and of energy, and on it goes.
0: It was very interesting. As you were saying, this uh, thing about the the, the engagement bit the as well and understanding that pain has to be big for people to move sometimes and you know we are even driven by pain or pleasure that's how the human works so if you can touch that pleasure center you can maybe get people to do something that you mean and actually it's all about how you articulate those kpis and you were so spot on i don't know if you ever read the book that's called the great game of business and it's centered around some very known principles that you actually educate your employees on uh, business and then you uh, you know, you make sure it's very clear when people know the business rules. So knowing the rules of business, just to clarify that, that's the rules of profit and how you make profit in a business and how you actually create a gross profit and so on. And then you actually make sure that you can see that you're winning. And of course that winning is not about more money to the shareholders. That's probably because either's part of benefit compensation package that goes to the employee, but it could also be that you are then delivering more to a charity or you're giving 1% for the planet You because our revenue will go up, our margin will be better. And then you make sure that every employee has provided that stake in the outcome. And that's not only financial, but that could also be emotional, as you said. So you touched all those three areas in a way. And I think often we either hide the numbers for employees or forget to teach them. We just expect people to know how a p l works or how gross profit works or how food waste is calculated. We just expect them and we don't take the time to train them. And every business I, if there's a restaurant or company of group or taking over, always started with finding out they actually don't know where they are. They have seen a monthly PL, but they don't really understand that monthly P&L and they don't know how we get there. They just look at the top. And, oh, lots of revenue. So we're doing well.
1: And it's um, it's it's when it comes to uh, businesses, it's easy in some cases to get the business in to look after the top line um, uh, figure. But if you have what I call the leaky bucket um, of you're getting customers in, if you're not getting those customers to return, uh, you're missing a trick because it is easier to hold on to those um, and to get them to to return once they're happy. Um, but it's all about looking after your team and enabling them as best as possible. Again, going back to whether it be uh, through engagement, through uh, the use of technology, in order to get them more involved. It it, it really is important.
0: Yeah, and um, we'll put the book "The Great Game of Business" in the in the show notes, and we we talked about it before here on the show as well, because that's a great book to get inspiration about actually how to bring things to life that's much a many many case study on that but i also want to talk to ask you patrick because like you know going back to your business and you're already helping a lot of operators out there doing a change finding more profit but what is the mission for you guys what why are you set in the world and what is that you want to change
1: yeah we're, we're into two uh, particular uh, topics uh, or areas of business that uh, that need help uh, one is when it comes to food inventory and stock taking um, that every POS business in the world will say, yeah, we do stock. Uh, but how many businesses use it to count uh, stock electronically, especially food? Oh, no, 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 no. You print off the sheets. That's the solution. And then you can manually write it down uh, to us. That's not good enough. It, it has to be digital. It has to be seamless in this day and age. The second is when it comes to food waste at uh, that. Uh, the, the food waste problem in uh, in the UK alone, it's 19 billion pound problem that's with a B, billion, which if that was eaten would result in 15 billion meals a year. So that's enough to feed the UK population three meals a day for 11 weeks. If that's not enough of a problem for someone to sit up and to say, my God, that's that's big. That's it, that we we have a problem here. And it ties in with the uh, with the inventory side of things, that if you're not getting the correct margin, there's something happening within your business that you need to correct. The chances are there's a strong possibility that it's food waste. That if the, 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 the WHO World Health Organization says that uh, 33% of all food is wasted, as in it's not consumed. And a more recent one has said it could be as high as 40%, which again is incredible. And it's not all food businesses fault, but they're, we'd be naive to think that it doesn't happen. So what drives me uh, in Digitally is by combining the profitability, food waste, it means that you're reducing that gap that businesses have in between what they should be getting in margin, the theoretical margin, versus what they're actually getting. And if you can put an element of that with confidence to say, well, I know that 1.5% is food waste. Yes, it does happen, but we have it recorded. We have it documented. We know why it's happening. Because if you just say now have 500 pounds of waste, um, hopefully it'll be ne- less next week. That's not good enough. We'd be saying you need to know What's been wasted, as in the product, why it's been wasted, the reason, as in is it out of date, spillage, overproduction, or, uh, and then ideally, who's wasting it. And it's not to say, going back to Sarah in the kitchen, Sarah, naughty girl, there's no food waste recorded, slap in the back of the hand, uh, that's not good. No, it's to say, Sarah, can you tell me there's five people working in this kitchen, there's only yourself that's entering in waste Do you know why that is? Guys, we all need to be recording waste. There's nothing recorded at breakfast time. And up until 12 o'clock in the day, there's no food waste been recorded. Why is that? Oh, yeah, he can now see this. So that's important. So by combining that, it means that you're addressing it. And I'll just stay on the food waste bit for a second, Maya, because it is it's something that's really important to me and to a lot of food businesses is that when people start using Digitally for the first time, the food waste increases, the level of food waste that they have. And it's not that they start throwing out more food. It's that for the first time, there's an element of buy-in that they feel comfortable and confident in being able to report on their food waste. Because in week one, they say, oh, another IT system. It's a, no, I don't need the hassle. But then, when the boss comes back to them at the end of week one and says, um, "Guys, food waste seems very low. Is everyone entering it in?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, next week, guys, we have nothing entered in at breakfast time. Is everyone entering? Oh, we can see breakfast. Okay, right, yeah. So we would start entering in more, and then they get more and more comfortable with it. And as the system adapts to the behaviors of knowing, right? Well, uh, you can just put in. Uh, you can put in your food waste by by item, by weight, by grams. It's very, very simple. So the food waste goes up and then as you involve the team in the discussions around reducing the food waste, you then get it crosses over the top of the bell curve and then it comes down the other side because people are then actively becoming part of it. And that's that's what energizes me. That's what drives me by combining the profitability with the food waste. It, it's so important for businesses to be able to do this easily, because if they're doing it manually. And um, I don't like manually uh, because that's, to me, it's not very lean.
0: And also it's very depending on people doing it. And, you know, that person can leave or, yeah, they don't want to do it that day. It is not going to be done or they're going to rush through it and don't do it.
1: Yeah. And as well, we're in a transient yeah, sector, exactly. whether you love, like it or love. not. People come and go. People come and go. It's an unfortunate reality. But systems tend to stay
0: think about like food waste as well is also something that's on the agenda in the media and it's definitely something you can get staff to buy into. I know that for myself, worked on food waste in in a lot of different settings. And actually, you just have to find out what is that thing you build on the back of it when they help you solving it. What is the engagement bit is that benefits that goes directly to their pockets or exactly that you know maybe give some of it meals to charities or you feed homeless people that's different there's so many different ways I've seen this be done but that's definitely something around food waste and I love that the whole whole mission is around how we actually produce food waste because I meet a lot of food service operators as well and hospitality businesses and when you start talking about food waste they all say this is a huge challenge still for them in this day and age. So it's a really big, big, big thing out there. What, what, um, if you take yourself, your business owner yourself, we go through some really significant times. I think like first we had the pandemic and then everybody thought we're going to open up. And now we have very inflationary environment and, you know, people are talking about some kind of downturn, but really a weird one where you have, you know, inflation and lack of workforce and, all these changes in in the global situation with, you know, on in Eastern Europe and so on. What have you been learning as a business owner yourself? Because most people I meet think that it's a very different environment we operate in.
1: I'd say to number one is be as lean as possible. Uh, number two is to know your figures that you, you know where increases are happening. Uh, and as the unfortunate reality is as, or the cost of raw ingredients go up? You have that has to be reflected somewhere along the way. There's only so much that you can be um, allow that to edge into your margin. So if it is, you need to take action quickly, and ultimately comes back to the to the consumer that ends up paying. So there's also then going to be the challenge with uh, with staff and paying staff more because as the cost of everything is goes up, the shopping bill. Uh, people will need more. They'll need more money. I think there are big changes coming within hospitality. Not that I'm a, a guru on the sector or anything, but I have an understanding as to the way that it works, that people within the sector for too long have been have been underpaid. There are um, less and less people thinking of it as a career. And that's that's unfortunate. Uh, when I started off, don't mean to sound like a dinosaur, but yeah, to work in a... Uh, On a cruise ship, I needed uh, four years of five-star experience. Uh, To work in a bar, you had to be a trainee or a commie. You had to go to college one day a week. On my day off, Uh, I went there because I was getting an extra twelve pounds a day uh, just to get the extra drinking money at the time. But though it was regarded as a skill and as a career, um, and that has faded out of it. So the sector has to adapt and adapt quickly to that. And if getting rid of split shifts. Uh, it's not something that people are going to do. And I think a large part of this wasn't driven by the pandemic, that people like the weekends, they like um, being home in the evenings, especially when it comes to families. So people will have to get creative with their schedules, with the way that they manage their people. It's going to be, a lot of it will be coming down to that as to how quickly they can address those shortfalls. So I think... Again, knowing your numbers, getting your people optimized, be lean. Uh, th- these are really crucial parts of uh, uh, driving a hospitality and food business forward.
0: One of the things I really also want to ask business owners about right now and is also about, you know, there's a lot of hard decisions that has to be taken all the time. And I guess that you also have been through plenty of them running your own business. But how do you actually make hard decisions? It could be in any area in your business, but how do you actually get to the successful? What is your process
1: with hard decisions when it comes to them? Um, the good thing about them is that they make you think and that you make, they think a lot more critically, uh, mainly because there's either more money or more consequences on the line. And, but the reality is that, uh, hard decisions tend to be based more on your values. Uh, And as a result, the result out of them tend to be better for you in the long term, whereas the fast decisions that are uh, easy and convenient, they tend to be based more on feelings and over the longer term um, aren't good for you. So hard decisions is very good um, because it makes you think and anything that makes you think can only can only be a good thing. But easy decisions, whether it's uh, having a chocolate bar, um, that's easy. It's convenient, um, but is it good for me in the long term? It's like the apple a day makes a doctor go away, or make the makes the keep the doctor away. So it's well, if it's if I substitute the apple for a Mars bar, uh, will that move me closer or further away from my from where I want to be? But it comes down to your values. If your values are Uh, aligned with where you're going, then the harder decisions will result in a better decision and the easier ones be the less significant ones because you'll make less of them on feelings and more of them will be on values as to where you're going.
0: So it's super interesting because also you, I think it goes for everywhere in all your decision, you actually sometimes just jump to your automatically decision of what you feel for, but actually haven't thought it true. And often that happens with hard decision as well. Hiring or firing is a great example where I often have been saying, hey, let's just wait a second. This person has maybe done something they shouldn't have done. But how many times have they actually done that? And how often have we actually seen them doing other things as in disalignment with our values? Because there's some really a values driven decision that's very quickly is driven by emotions as well, where it's like, but I don't like that. No, 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 but I know it's not okay, but could be that we just need to see it from the other side as well. And like, that's really a good example of somebody that is sitting and pulling back on that decision, actually you find out, it was a good thing we didn't do that because then we have lost that person. We spent four years on just like one mistake. And, and And that's a very bizarre way of saying it, but that happened
1: often I've seen yeah, it's one of the the things that you don't want to say, what would you tell your 18-year-old self and that kind of question that you hear people coming up with. But what I find is that as, as I get older, like I'm only mid-40s, and but what I find is that uh, with my older, more crankier self, that uh, I tend to become wiser because I'm always learning. But uh, what I f- one of my biggest... Um, inabilities in the past in work is to be able to say it goes back to your exact point of uh, with people is separating the person from the role that what you what you hired is a role a person to fulfill a role but what we do is we don't uh, measure the result of the what you hired in the first place and instead, if you ask someone, "How's John doing?" you say, "Oh, he's a he's a nice guy. He's doing this great, and he's doing whatever." Okay, in comparison to the role that he was doing, uh, that he was hired to do, how is that working? Mm, well, his skills aren't up to it. Or no, I don't think he ever worked in that place because if he did, he would have known this. You know, we we look at the person based on our feelings and an inability or an unwant to address the harder issue it's the harder decisions make it on your core values but get the people together that's going to buy into that because if you're going to be hiring them and keeping them with you because they're nice and because you're a nice boss um because we're all nice people let's face it uh we have to be we have to separate the person from the role
0: yeah that's a really good really good advice as well um, do you have other like top advice for, for leaders that is building a um, business as a force for good? And within that, I always say, of course, it's profitable.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm no I'm no business guru, but like yourself, I, I, I like to learn. And uh, there's hardly a business book in the world out there that doesn't say that it's all about people. Uh, and I guess, um, but I think by you have to be specific about what you want um, but, but part of that uh, by being deliberate you need to ultimately you need to know where you're going that if you have the destination in mind as in I want to uh, make this amount of money I want to world domination I want to have this do that whatever I want to be in when you know what that is whatever that is to you that you've defined that's okay once you know that you can then get vivid and clear and have the clarity in your own mind and your communications to deliver that because then you will you have a better chance of getting it because uh, if you're uh coasting uh through day-to-day um unintentional not having goals not having uh, a path to get you to where you want to go it can be uh it can be a real challenge um and the years will pass uh, you'll just be as i say, coasting
0: yeah that is interesting and also if you don't come back and revisit that vision or goal setting it often it it also has to be alignment of the reality you are in and where you are because often you know you feel you maybe are somewhere but the reality is that you are probably either further ahead or further behind often further behind than where you want to be and then you need to reset that's the thing as well. I think there's a lot of also because you've been in fire mode in, a, in especially in hospitality in food service. It's like we probably have to sometimes go back and check: you know, are we actually on the right direction of where we talked about where we want to go? Uh, because lots of people had time to talk strategy in the pandemic, but actually, is that actually still relevant? Slice goals and come back to revisit them. I think that's really, really good advice. Is there one question you wish I've asked you today, Patrick? Um, and what would that question be? And what would you have answered if there is any?
1: I think you've covered a lot of what I was uh, kind of thinking. I think going back to the to the food waste, I think that this mm. is uh, we're at a time where. Uh, The carbon, amount of carbon that's been output, that's, uh, you turn on the news and uh, you can see the effect of, uh, we can feel it in the climate change. Uh, It's there, it's happening, there's warmer summers, there's wetter springs. Um, It's very evident that that it's there and it's happening. But I think that one of the ways that needs more attention is around food waste. And it's not just in business. I think businesses are leading the way in this. A lot of it happens in the home. Um, But I think that um, it's common for people to say that, and, and it's a fact, that if food waste were a country, it would be the third biggest contributor to greenhouse gases after the US and China. So why is there not a lot more attention put onto it? It needs to be to be stamped out. It needs to be a serious education that needs to go into it. That uh, years ago when uh, not just us, but our parents, they they go shopping every day. There was no big weekly shop. It was you go and you get what you want, you bring it home, you cook it, and then you eat it if there was anything else that was with it, you would wouldn't go to waste certainly not but now we have the big shop uh, we have to buy more we have to have bigger fridges. Uh, and as a result things spoil because you forget it's there but we we all have a responsibility to address the amount of food that we waste and um, because it's better for us as a as a occupier of the planet uh it's it it's really important so I think food waste is where uh, businesses are leading the way. Um, But it needs to trickle down to the consumer and and awareness is crucial.
0: So it's about scaling that story and actually getting people's awareness, I guess, not just like businesses. It's not just what you do, but also how can you actually make the consumer more aware about the impact of their behaviors are having. I I really, really like that. Um, Where can people find you and connect with you and learn more about the, the work you do? And also listen, listen in to your new podcast, you know, because you have a brilliant podcast as well that's launched recently, Food Service Matters.
1: That's right. I started Food Service Matters uh, recently, um, uh, which is uh, gaining traction. We won't be catching up to your uh, uh, level yet, just yet, Michael. So you're, you're quite safe.
0: You always have to start somewhere, you know.
1: I got to start. And that's what comes down to the, the point we had earlier. It's, it's small steps. Um, and one at a time, um, uh, so one small bit. So where people can contact me is through digitally.io. Contact, look me up on LinkedIn. Patrick McDermott is my name from Digitally. I'm happy to connect and to have a conversation with people because, um, again, it's it's all about helping other people. I'm happy to do so.
0: Great! Thank you so much, Patrick, for for coming on the the show and sharing your insight and knowledge and your journey. Uh, send you and the team power and energy for for the time ahead to f- be able to fight food waste
1: foremost. Michael, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the conversation, and thanks to your listeners who uh, hung around until the end to listen to me babble on. I really
0: appreciate that you're listening in. So, if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate, or give a review, or subscribe to one of our channels. Which all can be done via the website, hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books. To improve yourself, others, and the organization, find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at BizSimply.com or on their socials at BizSimply or BizSimplyHQ. You can also email them directly at podcast at BizSimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the Podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be maverick.